Imagine a world in which post-traumatic stress no longer robs from the millions who suffer, where spouses, children, communities, and organizations get back the ones they love. Post-traumatic stress is often treated as an illness that can only be curbed, but this is wrong. PTS is an injury that can be healed quickly so that those affected get back to doing what they're meant to do, thrive. Join us as we discuss the latest innovation in the treatment of PTSD, specifically the reconsolidation of traumatic memories, what we refer to as the RTM protocol. We regularly feature guests who have successfully cured PTSD to inspire hope in all those who still struggle, hope in what is possible. This is Life After PTSD. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode. Super excited to be doing the show from South Florida, sunny South Florida, and with me in the studio, in the makeshift studio, Dan Jarvis. Dan, say hey. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's good to be down here, man. Um, hanging out in, I'd say sunny South Florida, but there's no sun at all outside. A lot of rain. Lots of rain. So here we are inside doing a show. So, man, um, we've had an, a lot of opportunities to talk about your story and today we're going to go on a very unique angle that I think affects a lot of people, uh, especially military guys, but, uh, you know, obviously, but um, the uh, transition, the transition, this could be EMS, it could be military, it could be, you know, a lot of things, but the transition out of, um, or back into civilian life and what that looks like. And so that's one area of, you know, we've, we've talked about that sort of from a, uh, from a macro perspective with you, but we really haven't gone into like the depth of that story and what the struggles are and maybe some advice, things you've learned and that sort of thing. So, man, walk us through it. Tell us the year. Tell us the circumstances. Wh where were we when Dan Jarvis transitioned? Okay. My my last day on active duty was September 11th of 2014. And prior to leaving military service, the all four branches are mandated that they have to do some type of uh, transition kind of training. So in for me, for the Army, it's called ACAP. Military loves their acronyms. It's Army Community Alumni Program. And I think that may have since changed because mm -hmm. they always tend to change. But it's typically about a week long worth of training where they have representatives from the Department of Labor come in. They have um, counselors that come in and help you write resumes and teach you how to do interviews because they're trying to prepare you to get out into the real world. Mm -hmm. But the problem is they don't really get too crazy in depth. And most of the soldiers that are at the point where they're ready to get out of service, they're just excited to be getting out thinking that, you know, life's going to be great and rosy and oh. nobody's going to be telling them what to do and, and so on and so forth. So um, in the United States, we're transitioning about 20,000 soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines a month. Wow. So you're talking a huge number of transitioning military personnel every single month. Wow. Okay. So, you know, and, and the hard thing is, like for me, when, when I left Fort Wainwright, Alaska, I literally drove, uh, drove through Canada. Uh, I can remember... Looking in the rearview mirror, seeing the gate, and realizing that you know I no longer had a military uniform, and I was now a civilian. And then you know the drive home, it was kind of nice going through Canada, getting to see the scenery. And by the time I made it down to Florida, you know, then you're like, okay, now what? You know, we we always tend to think we have a plan, and that's one of the always things we would tell our guys, you know, make sure you got a plan, make sure you got a plan. If you want to get out, that's great, but make sure you have a plan. But they're never really prepared for what's on the other side. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of the veterans that are coming out that try to go to college, you know, you may be 24, 25 years old because you've already done five or six years. Mm -hmm. And you're in college with 18, 19 year old kids who you can't relate to. Uh, you're, you're, you're totally disconnected. And then you're trying to relate to professors at 
Many of them are left-leaning in their politics, and a lot of them end up dropping out of, out of college. Well, they haven't seen the world either. That's part of it. So they're making up you know, their mind about the world but having not experienced the things that right. you've seen. Absolutely. Right? You know, one of my soldiers, he, um, he's in college right now, and, and we, we talk and we communicate. Uh, he's out of the service. He got medically retired. He, he was mm-hmm. one of my casualties from Afghanistan. And he's like having a hard time relating with the other students because, you know, he saw a place for a safe space, mm. you know, mm. and we kind of chuckled. I said, well, just tell them that your safe space was in the back of a medevac helicopter. You know? <laughs> but the, the reality is, you know, some of these kids are being so coddled. And, you know, here is this 25, 26 year old. Actually, he's already he's about 27 or 28 right now. Yeah. And he's trying to relate to kids eight years younger than him. And he's already been to war. He's got a Purple Heart. He's deployed mm. a couple times. Mm. Mm. And, you know, he can't really connect with them. Uh, and that's one of the big problems is when, when we get out of the military, we typically will leave our buddies, you know, and we call that our tribe. You know, we leave our tribe and we go to parts unknown somewhere throughout the United States. And, and then you get disconnected because the, the culture of the military is, you know, life goes on. Hmm. So even though you still have buddies that are on active duty or other buddies that have gotten out, you know, it's just like anything else. You, you, you tend to just, you know, distance your time, um, you know, just you don't communicate as often as you did when you were when you were stationed together. And a lot of people don't understand when you go to war with somebody, the connections that you make with your battle buddies is, you know, very, very tight. Um, the, the conversations that you have in a deployment, you know, your average person just really not would not understand if they just walked in on the conversation, but that's just the way it is. You know, I want to go on a detour here for a second, because I think there's some merit to that. And I, I want to know, you know, if you could, if you could do your best to describe some of that, I mean, I am in full agreement. There's no way on earth. Somebody's going to, you know, understand completely, but do your best to help us understand the mindset of that camaraderie of that tribe that y'all experience. Like, what is it? Where does the initial bond form? What solidifies the bond? I mean, what kinds of things that you maybe you could share? Maybe some of that's classified. I don't know. But, you know, what kind of things do you think are responsible for creating those deep ties? Because people understand ties. They understand familial ties. They understand friendship ties. And when you do life with somebody, you know, clearly you've got you've got something going on there. So I would just be curious to know, you know, perhaps how much deeper it is or how much more intense it is with a military group of guys in a tribe. Okay, so. Initial uh, connections that you start making is just randomly in training. You know, always assign we're, you always assign somebody about a buddy. You know, make sure you have somebody to go with. And we start that in our basic training. Mm-hmm. You know, we would assign two soldiers to be battle buddies, and they couldn't be apart from each other. That's how much we have to depend upon our buddies, and it just kind of builds on that culture of of uh, supporting each other mm. and knowing that that we have your back and you have mine, I have yours, and I have you know the next buddy's back. So. When you go to war and officially actually go to war and the range then becomes two way where you're, you're shooting down range and rounds are coming back at you and you start experiencing some significant uh, traumatic events, you know, buddies tend to get even closer. I mean, because it's really hard to explain what it's like um, if you if you're involved in a firefight and you have to, you know, react to contact and you know, move towards the gunfire and handle business and clear an objective and then get off the objective. And then you go back 
you know, the, the closest that you, I mean, you literally almost died next to the guy to your left. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so that person, you know, has literally participated in helping to save your life and you hmm. participate in helping save his. Hmm. So you tend to make those instant connections, which is friends can't even say that no. friends don't have those kinds of experiences. No, absolutely not. And, no. and, and when you're deployed, you know, if it's a, it's a 12 month deployment, mm-hmm. the guys get closer to each other than they do their spouses mm. because mm. they're with them day in and day out. Um, in through the tragedies and in yeah. through the victories. Yeah. And so, you know, so real quick question is, I, I mean, obviously guys are going to see things that are traumatic that, you know, a spouse wouldn't understand upon return and things like that. But as part of, you know, we know that there's a, a very, a very high, forget the divorce rate. Let's just say a, a, a struggling marriage rate, you know, among these guys is part of that because there's this, you know, it's almost like a mistress and your, your tribe is your mistress of sorts because they know you better. And I mean, you got any theories on that? Um, that's, that's a pretty good thought. I've, n- I've never actually given that kind of a thought to it. But yeah, there, there could be some jealousy with spouses and how close that, the, that you are with the other guys around you. Well, even the idea, you know, you think of, in my world in marriage counseling, a lot of people um, who go through affairs and things like that just feel like, um, you know, actually, I'll go a different route. Here's a, a phenomenon that we're seeing in recent years with the advent of social media um, the reconnection of like the high school sweethearts and things like that that never end up being, um, it, you know, and people say, well, I, you know, I, 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 we parted ways and I married somebody else and, you know, things get stagnant in a marriage and they feel like their spouse doesn't understand them. So they want to run back to that person that they think is, you know, the soulmate or something like that because, man, because they understand me, right? right? And that sort of thing. And it just sounds like the tribe is like the understanding spouse in a sense, you know, for some of these guys, I don't want to read too much into it, but I mean, it just sounds classic, like very symptomatic of, you know, what we see in the marriage counseling world. Yeah. Um, one of the issues that, that we have when we deploy is relationships are very difficult. Hmm. And I, you know, I know many of soldiers who have had their significant others, um, basically have affairs on them while they were deployed. Wow. Wow. You know, and then, you you know with the onset of technology you, know, you can go to a war zone now and literally you know Skype back home and yeah. and, and talk yeah. with somebody yeah. and it's very difficult for that that soldier who's deployed or the marine or whoever to know that everything's going on business as usual back home and he's downrange struggling um and when you have a person go through the you know maybe it's the trauma of a breakup while they're deployed yeah. you know you got to be in the fight so who has to clean it up but the battle buddies? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. They, they just it just they get closer and closer yeah, and yeah, you know yeah, it's crazy. I can't I can't imagine I can't just even the mere concept of being away from, you know, being able to actually do something about healing your family or something or a relationship or I mean you're completely helpless. Totally, you're the property of the U.S. government. You're in the middle of nowhere in a place that nobody else wants to be. Correct. You know it's just unreal. Okay, all right. Sorry, we're on some tangents there. That's my fault. Let's let's get back to play there. So we get that camaraderie thing on, and uh, so guys are coming back, not really understanding how to live, I guess, without that. Correct. So what are your thoughts from there? Well, the the, the problem is being able to reconnect with the civilian population. The many of us in the military, we get out of service and we f- we have this entitlement feeling that hey, somebody, you, you need to be thanking me for what I did, and that's totally bogus because. Hmm. It shouldn't be that way because nobody forced you to join. You know, I, I get it if you're a Vietnam vet and, and you got drafted, but if you volunteer to serve, you know, people don't really owe you something. Yeah. Okay. And and mm-hmm. the the most critical time for a for a soldier when they get out is that first twelve to eighteen months. Hmm. Because when they leave their tribe, you know, it's almost like 
you know, let's take a real tribal example. If you were in a tribe overseas and they got, ex- and then you got exiled from the tribe, what typically followed the exile? Hmm. You know, you, 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 you weren't, you, there's no way you can actually survive it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You, you disconnect from your military tribe, your buddies, and you're back in, you know, let's just say you're in Orlando, Florida, and there's nobody else around you that, that can relate to you. Your own family can't even relate to you, you know, and, and, and then if you're suffering post-traumatic stress or any issues like that, they don't even relate to you even more. Hmm. And, and hmm. then many times you, you can damage relationships because of what you've gone through. Um, I mean, divorce rates for military is 80%. Yeah, that's unreal. Well, the Army. I don't know if it's yeah. military, but I know the Army was 80%. Well, but even first responders. I can't speak yeah. for fire, but I know the police is crazy high like that as well. I mean, yeah. it's it's just a, it's like a, it's one of those stats that you look at. You know, it's kind of like looking at a hospital bill. It's monopoly money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a monopoly stat. It's right. one of those things you just, this can't even be real. No. But it is. It is. I and mean, it's unreal. It's, it's just, it's crazy. It's totally. But, but what ends up happening is, and I think the most dangerous thing that a soldier can do or a veteran is isolate themselves. Yeah. If you yeah. disconnect, um, I can tell you many stories of veterans who, you know, their marriages didn't survive mm. and the spouse left with the kids and the person isolated and then took their own lives. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you, you have nobody that can understand the things that you've experienced or gone through. Uh, you have major depression issues from the post-traumatic stress because things just, just don't seem to be getting any better. And then once you isolate, you know, and that, you know, what they say, the idle time is the devil's playground. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. so much truth to that. Because yeah. when you're when you're by yourself and there's nothing going on, that's when you're thinking about everything that happened. Yep. All the buddies that you lost and could I have done this different? Could I have done that different? What would have been, had I found this ID, would, you know, would Doug still be here? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. those things kind of replay yeah. in your mind and then over time you just. But, and, and it's, to me, I look at it and it's so oxymoronic. It's, it's so unfair to these guys because, Half of them are doing everything they can just so they can make it home. They want to make it home to their loved ones and everything, and and they come home and they're they're just they're they're not able to connect. Right. I mean, it's just unreal. It's it just seems so unfair, you know, in a sense. But uh, well, there, there's so know. much there's so much at play in the military. You 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 have a a support structure in place mm-hmm. that basically covers everything. You know, your housing is covered. Uh, for the soldier, the meals are covered. For yeah. Um, if you're if living in a co- high cost of living area, that's covered. You're you're you know you're you're plus your salary on top of that. I mean, when yeah. I, when I yeah. transitioned out, when I left, I went from military back into law enforcement. Yeah. And when I compared the pay from one to the <laughs> other, I realized that while I was on active duty with with all the pay and entitlements that are yeah. combined, that, yeah. and many of it's not taxable. Yeah. I was making more in two weeks on active duty than I was making bringing home in a month as a deputy. Wow. So, and that's wow. at a, I mean, that's at a salary of like close to 50,000. Yeah. Yep, and yep. you know what, when you take taxes out, well now all of a sudden you're, you're having to pay your own mortgage and yep, you're having yep, to pay your yep, own electric. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because if you live on a base, you know, your electric's paid for, your yeah, water's paid yeah, for, everything's yeah, covered. Everything's covered. Yeah, all yeah. you got to do is, is your phone and cable or yep, whatever. Yep. Um, you know, plus your dental's covered, your, your, your healthcare is covered. Now all of a sudden you're having to pay for these things and there's a lot of financial pressure. Yeah. And that's covered. I mean, families are covered too on that. You're talking everything. Yeah, if they're, everything. Yeah. That's just crazy. Yep. Everything. Ah, that's just crazy. Yeah. So if you're an active mm-hmm. military member right now, I would tell you think long and hard before you're ready to get out. <laughs> have a, when, when I say have a plan, yeah. I mean, you know, the plan is, is to survive. Yeah. So yeah. take care of yourself, take care of your mental health, take care yeah. of your family. Yeah. You know, but be sure that that's what you want, you know, because yeah. grass is not always greener on the other side. <laughs> so so let me ask you this. In um, 
2014 was it again for yes. you? Yeah, okay. So in 2014, when you were uh, in the process of, of exiting, um, is that something, if you could go back and do it again, what would you do? Would you have to think long and hard about it, or or do you really feel like you know that you made the right choice at that point, or do you you know well, talk I, to me about that? I didn't really have a say in in my choice to leave the military because I was medically retired. Oh, okay. So I I didn't want to retire. I wanted to continue. Yeah. Um. You know, until you know, until I could actually physically retire. Yeah. Um. So you were not one of the guys that was just counting the days. No. And, yeah. Okay. No. That was your place and your purpose and all that. Right. Okay. Fair. All right, cool. So um, let's talk then about what uh, what you would say. You you just gave a, a good word, I think, to guys that are in and that are considering. And that's, you know, we were on the heels of a financial conversation and everything. And certainly that's, you know, to be considered and all of that. But what would you say for the guy that, um, you know, beyond the financial reason decides I'm ready to re-engage in civilian life. It's my time. I've done my service and I'm ready to go. What does that guy need to know based on what you have learned um, on your journey? I would say for that person that's about to transition, male or female, they're going to have to understand that the world that they're going back to is not the same world that they left when they first joined the military. All right. There are many people out there who support what they do. And I would say for the vast majority of Americans, they support the military and um, in in their service. But once the uniform comes off, guess what, my friends? You are a civilian like everybody else. So don't expect anything. You know, don't don't demand anything. Um, if you're struggling mentally, you know, emotionally, definitely reach out because you know n- what I would have done differently now, knowing everything I know, especially with like the the reconsolidation traumatic memories protocol, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. would have. I would have gotten taken care of, you know, while right away, right, right away. It's yeah. like it's like yeah. three yeah. three ninety minute sessions and yep. no medication. Yep. What? Yeah, yeah. So I would have, I, you know, I would have done that. So yeah. reach out to somebody, talk to somebody. Um, there's a lot of organizations out there. You know, my organization twenty two zero. You know, we can definitely connect you with somebody, or at least the closest RTM counselor, or another member reconsolidation uh, treatment if there's no RTM available. Um, but take care. Of your wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you something real quick here, because I wonder, I wonder how many of these guys did you like, did you realize when you got out, you know, I remember you telling your story a few times and it seemed like it took you some time to realize there was some traumas and some junk there. And I would just be curious as to how long that really took to show, you know, because I think that's a part of the piece of advice sure. for guys getting out that it's not just, Hey, this is what you do the day after you're out. Right. Here's the three month marker, the yeah. six month mark and what you can expect. Let's go in that just to be thorough. Well, when I first got out, I mean, I knew, I mean, I knew I had issues because while I was on active duty, I was, I came very close to ending my own life. Yeah. So I knew I had a problem. I just didn't want to share that with anybody. Got it. You know, because, you know, as guys, you know, and even being like a type A personality, um, we put stuff away. We don't, we want to box it up. We want to put it in the back of our minds. But I'm telling you, if you do that, there, there will be a day of reckoning. It will come out at some point. Yeah. Um, We've had. You know, over 40,000 post 9-11 veterans who have been incarcerated since 9-11. Wow. You know, at one stage or another, um, you know, we get into the the VA system. All they want to do is medicate you. And, you know, I don't think that really allows you to be the person you you really want to be. So that's why so many people will actually stay away from the VA because they don't want to go on any meds. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be willing to admit that you're a human being. And that may take a while. For me, um, when I got out, 
you know, I ended up going back to the uh, police academy because I was going back into law enforcement. You know, and, and as long as your time is occupied, you 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 can handle it. You know, I mean, I was still drinking a lot, you know, especially on the weekends. But once you get to the point where you know, okay, life is about to really continue, um, in in a law enforcement field, dealing with the the combat traumas, uh, it it didn't make for the healthiest of environments for mm, me. Mm. Um, I would get angry very quick. Um, I didn't really take anything out on on, and I didn't take anything out on people in general. But man, I can remember times where I'm running lights and sirens to a call, you know, and and people don't want to get out of your way, and I'm like throwing my mic on the ground, and like, <laughs> yeah, it's like just killing me you know yeah yeah um just quick tempered um but three months when i got out um i had already met the woman that i married we went out on a date probably actually it might have been about four months yeah i was still struggling i was still drinking i was still doing all that stuff and but i slowed down a lot because you know Gwinnell, she really um you know she she became very important to me very quickly hmm. And I really did want to screw that up. So I, I, I toned down the drinking a lot, but I still had a tendency to want to go back to that, that crutch or whatever, you know, if anything got stressful, you know, give me a beer kind of thing. And just for clarity, you're not drinking just for recreation here. No, I mean, this is self-medication Yeah, it's, it's at that point, you know, it, it, it numbs you a little bit about, yeah. you know, of course the next day always really sucks, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but well, see, cause I, and I bring that up for this reason, because I, it, you know, I, I would say from an outsider's perspective, I kind of know better because I, I'm around you guys a lot and everything, and I feel like I, you know, spend a, a good deal asking questions like this. But I think from an outsider's perspective in general, you know, army and any anything armed for, forces, people are going to look at and kind of go, well, they just they live life intensely, mm-hmm. so they work hard, they party hard, and everything. And I I think the unfair assumption then becomes that you know when you see these guys out at a bar or you know they're in the checkout line at the grocery store and they've got a whole several cases of beer sitting in the you know the cart and everything you know i don't think people make the connection most times that there are probably traumas and struggles that these guys are dealing with and that they are self-medicating you know i think a lot of people just look at it and go well they're just you know this is downtime right. you know this is they're on furlough or they're out whatever you know and they're just out having a good time or something and that's that's not necessarily the case is it no um, talk to me real quick. You, um, I know you're not a big, you're not a big fan of isolation. Correct. So, um, you know, of course I'm being facetious on that one. What, uh, what are the dangers of isolation? And, uh, before you even get there, I, I would be curious to know if, um, if you can speak to your time of isolation and you can, you know, just talk about what the, the mindset was for you at that point, why you chose that, or if you chose that and everything, let's just talk about your journey and then move into um, maybe some some principles and advice for people out there. Okay, so as soon as I got out, um, actually, I, I went on terminal leave a little bit early, so I was out end of July. Okay, um, and I didn't really start back school and for the academy until like I want to say November, late November. I think it was right after Thanksgiving. That's for the police academy. You're for the police about. academy. Yeah. Okay. So there was mm-hmm. about a three month window where I really didn't have anything to do. Yeah. And and I own, I owned a condominium outright, so I didn't really have a lot of financial obligation. I didn't have any car payments. Yep. Um, and I had a retirement check coming in, so I had nothing to do. Yeah. So that's what I did was I isolated myself in my <laughs> condo, you know, and I'd I'd go to the store and resupply the night before, and yeah. I'd have I'd have my beer and you know whatever. Yeah. 
you know, and, and, and just sit there and, and drink beer and watch movies or, or, you know, play the call of duty games, whatever, <laughs> which is totally ridiculous. Cause it's, but it's like, you know, cause it brings, it takes you back, you know, most, totally. most, most of your guys that serve, um, they like to go, they want to go back. You know, many, many that are, that are stuck with post-traumatic stress want to yeah. go back to war. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason is because they're stuck in their fight or flight and yep. that's where they thrived yep. in that, yep. in yep. that environment. Yeah. You know, when we're back here and we're at home and we're still in the fight or flight, yeah. you know, then we're dealing with the emotions that come along with being at such an elevated mm-hmm. state. You know, yep. you're always yep. on the trigger. You're always ready to go. Yeah. Now, part of your story isn't, didn't you have a glimpse of that, um, that phenomenon where you were kind of out and then you went back in for a season as part of your military career? I thought that was the case at one point that, you know, you had, uh, it was on furlough or, or something and then you were struggling. I may be mixing you up with Brian's story yeah. from a few weeks ago. I mean, I that's had, what it was. I had two different periods of service, but one was right out of high school, and then yeah, yeah. and then I went back, and we're talking eighty eight yeah. to ninety. That must have been Brent. So, see, he described it was very interesting. I think that was what he had dealt with, and he described how the um, I don't know if it was PTSD per se, but maybe just an early onset of it, but how it was quick, quickly remedied for him when he went back into maybe it was a deployment that could have been what it was, and it was yeah. just you know from one to the next or whatever. Because the way he said it is you just don't have time to think. Yeah. Like you're back in machine mode. Sure. Right? And so you're doing your thing and there's no, you know, there's don't no, there's really no downtime for the idle, you know, brain to go do its thing and, and that that kind of thing. So yeah. yeah, so you get out, you had that. You're playing Call of Duty, you've got three months before you're starting the academy and it's just getting bad. Yeah. It's just getting bad. And and you know, I didn't I had sleep issues. I had insomnia yeah. really bad, and that's yeah. one of the reasons why I drank. Um so but when I did sleep you know, then, and the dreams would come back and, yep, and the yep, thoughts would, yep. would creep back in. And, and when you really have nothing to do and you're sitting there by yourself, it's like, man, everything is just coming back. And <laughs> then you start like literally start thinking about, you know, what you did on your deployment, C- what could you yep. have done different yep, yep. to have avoided losing a soldier or, you know, or losing a buddy out there. Yep, and it's yep, like, yep. you know, and we beat ourselves up, we yep. just totally beat yep. ourselves up. Yep. And then we end up hardwiring our brain you know, where that becomes a subconscious or the unconscious brain then takes that on as like, that's your reality. So you never really get out of it. Yeah. yeah you know, you yeah. really have to really yeah. have to make a conscious effort yeah. uh, to break the funk and, and, mm-hmm. and fix, you know, yourself because you're the only one that can do it. So I, obviously Gwinnell was a huge part of your story and getting you out of that isolation and everything was, uh, was she the first person or was that the first set of circumstances that helped you realize that you were even in isolation or did you realize it the whole time? I mean, well, I, I knew before we met, I was isolated. Okay. And I got to the point where I I'm like, I got to do something cause this yeah. is not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, isolation, you know, you, you can only entertain yourself for so long, yep. you know, that's yep. why it's unhealthy to be in a, you know, isolated prison cell. Same thing. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a method of torture. It is. And it's unreal, but it's self torture for us. Yeah. And, and yep. it's almost like we feel like we deserve that. Yeah. You know, and, um, that's, it's a crazy thought, but that's at yeah. the time I, I, I always felt the guilt of losing Doug yep. on, on a, on a patrol and being responsible for him mm-hmm. dying. And, you know, I didn't deserve to be happy and I, I should be miserable, Yeah, you know, and, and the reality is in war, good people die. That's one of, that's the primary rule. Yeah. And the secondary, secondary rule is in war, good people die. And, <laughs> and there's nothing that you can do. I mean, you can be you know, vigilant as much as possible, yep, but yep. there's some things you, that are totally outside your control. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So here's a, here's a real question for you. Then what did, 
isolation. So you move from isolation to what? What would you say is the opposite of that in your world and everything? What is what does that look? Community. I mean, what does it look like? Um, well, for me, part of it was a spiritual journey as well. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Because you know, I I had a set of beliefs prior to going to war, mm-hmm. and then. Mm-hmm. And then when things didn't get better for me, then those set of beliefs then become challenged because everybody, sure. everybody just says, oh, just pray about it. You'll be fine. You'll yeah. be fine. And yeah. it doesn't yeah. work that way. No, it doesn't. It and, doesn't. And, and putting that expectation, well, yeah. then there's something wrong with me if I'm not getting yeah. any better. Yeah. And then you're yeah. like, you yeah. know what? You know, but yeah. anyways, I, you and know, well-meaning people say that stuff. Yeah. They just don't understand. Right. That when you're dealing with the, with a human brain, it's a little bit more than just, well, just pray about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you know, when you, when you literally hardwire your brain to, yep. to respond a certain yep. way, yep. 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 then it takes a little bit of time to unwire that brain. Absolutely, as well. absolutely. And, and you may not unwire it; you may yep. just have to rewire. Yeah, you know, absolutely. The, the old habits are still there. You're just going to okay. have to create new ones. Yeah. All right. So that's part of it. What else? It's a good word. Um, well, you know, when 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 Gwenelle and I went out on our first date, you know, I was still seeking the the adrenaline rush. You know. Uh-huh. We we went on a blind date and I took her to Kissimmee Old Town. Yeah, and you'll know the Sky Coaster. Oh my gosh, you hung from the first date. That the- <laughs> That's the one that you're up that pulls you 300 feet up in the air and then you swing out. Uh, poor. Yeah, poor over uh, 192. Yep. I look at the people that do that. I'm like, you guys are crazy. Yeah. And you know, no offense to Old Town, I just question the construction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Integrity of any of these things. You know, but, seen one too many carnival accidents. Yeah, to <laughs> yeah. But that, I was still, I'm yeah. still seeking. The, I was still seeking the. the but she the did that with you. She did that with me. Wow. That's when I knew this. This, this, <laughs> this, this is this could be the one. <laughs> you know, it, I was kind of kid around. And I was like, yeah, I call her my tourniquet because she had her arm wrapped around my arm so tight I couldn't. So, so is hand. that called love at first flight then, or is there that what that go. is? You love like at that? first flight. I like it. I like what you did there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, so you're still thrill seeking, mm-hmm. and um, you know what is she telling you? Dan, not every date can be like this. Is that what it is? <laughs> um, well, I was actually impressed that she was willing to do it. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. She, um, we didn't do that every <laughs> single, every time. We did, we did that on our six month anniversary. So I don't want to double date with you guys. I'm just going to stay away. Y'all yeah. do your thing. And, hey, uh, <laughs> when we got married, we went back. We went to Hawaii. We went skydiving. What? Yeah, we went you guys. zip lining. You know, we, yeah. had, we had a lot of fun. Well, that's awesome. Good yeah. for you. So, yeah, very cool. Um, so is that still, but is it done now for enjoyment when you do those things now, yeah. are you able to enjoy it now? Yeah. That's awesome. It's Very not, cool. it's not because I'm seeking, you know, the, the rush. Yeah. I do yeah. like adrenaline fueled things. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's because when you do things in the military, like what we used to do, yeah. that, you know, as a combat infantryman, um, I can recall some, some operations that were like, man, this is really, really cool. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. I, I can't believe I I'm getting to do this and they're paying me for it. Yeah. How many yeah. times did you jump out of an airplane? Uh, I did, I uh, was, a, I was a five jump chump in the army. I did airborne school yeah, and then, yeah. then I've had two other civilian jumps. That's awesome. And, yeah. Yeah. See, that's, I mean, look, man, when you jump out of a perfectly good airplane, you, yeah. you, you better have a, you better have something going on in your head. That's not right. Thrill seeking something, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's my, it's my mindset right there, but I'm not a, I'm not a good flyer, but that's that. But anyway, very, very cool. Um, what would you say to the guy out there and girl, um, who are, uh, you know, I don't know how many military people could even access something like this if they're in. Is that, by the way, is that something that, you know, is there downtime like when you're at a base or whatever that you can get a podcast or a YouTube or something like that? Or, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what, you know, you're working. Yeah. You know, you're probably up. You're probably at work five thirty till yeah, maybe six or seven at night. I mean, okay. there's there's time. Weekends so are off time, too. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah. like any other job. Okay. 
You'll work right. a little bit more than 40 hours a week, but... So the you know guy or girl that maybe by chance is listening to something like this at some point on their base, um, but then also the one that's you know that's out, that's mm-hmm. still trying to figure out the new normal or, or whatever, uh, what are your... You know, give some advice on isolation and you know, connection and what, you know, what, what can you impart into someone? I would say one of the things that I did was I, I looked at, I went out actually to the American Legion. Okay. Um, that's, it's predominantly, you know, controlled by your Vietnam era veterans. Um, but, and then I just, I, I just started to volunteer. So I started volunteering at the American Legion. Wow. They sent me to school to become a service officer. And then all of a sudden I'm connecting with all these old timers. And it was kind of fun because I love hearing about their stories. Oh, and totally. Whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, and then it's like, you know, you have the ability to help them financially, you know, yep. you know, we're running into Vietnam veteran spouses, you know, where their husbands died. Well, what, how'd your husband die? Well, I had a, he had a heart attack. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Age, yeah. Agent Orange, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden they're getting $1,300 a month. And then, yeah. Yeah. then you have these 70 and 80 year old ladies, you know, trying to hit on you. It was kind of funny. <laughs> this, this one lady, she was, she kept calling and, and I was like. I was like, come on, man. You know, <laughs> I'm, mar- I'm a married man, you know, and, and you're older as my grandmother. But, uh, you know, it, there's Dan, no- just remember, I have the radio face. You're, you're, you're the cute face in this equation, man. So it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, you whatever. get out there. They stick you up there on the stage or you the, uh, the, the bachelor auction deal, except you're not the bachelor. Is yeah. it? <laughs> so, it's but, awesome. but that's a, it's a way to plug yourself in. I yeah. mean, e- even yeah. though the, even though they're the older folks, they're still fun to talk to. Totally. And, you know, and if ever a generation deserves the American Legion, it's the Vietnam era. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. they got totally ripped on when they got home. And, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, do something, you know, get plugged in somewhere. Yeah. Try to find somebody in your, I guarantee you, matter of fact, I wear my, um, I wear my Wolfhounds PT shirt, my, from my unit in Hawaii. Yeah. And I wear it around a lot. My, actually, I, I ordered 10 of them. I'm not going to lie. And it's like. <laughs> It's easy. I just wear it, and then my wife's like, "You're always wearing that shirt." Favorite shirt. But you you know what? I ran into somebody, and I (laughs) I went into a a paint store, and this guy goes, "Wolfhounds, huh?" And he just saw that from seeing the rifle and the two two seven on it, and he was at the same duty station. So it it sparks for me. It sparks conversations. That's awesome. Um, But connect with somebody in your community that's a veteran that that maybe has shared a similar experiences with you, because then you get you know it gives you that sense of okay, you know, I have a little bit of a tribe here. Yep. Uh, one of the things that I did is I got involved with an organization called the Hero's Journey. Yeah. And that's Scott Mann's group. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, got plugged into that tribe. You know, and, and even if you had 10 people around the United States that you guys could get together as a group, you know, do a Zoom call once a month yeah. or something yeah. and just, yeah. just yeah. connect with people, you know, and all of you guys get together. Define a tribe for me, your definition. I mean, obviously we can go look that up in a dictionary, but. You know, how do you define a tribe? How big? How small? The affinity? Whatever. I mean, what is it? The the tribe can be three, four, or five people. Okay. Um, just a group of people with like interests yep. that you share a commonality with. Um, like the tribe that, that I'm with, you know, it's like, you know, being part of something bigger than yourself and, and doing something for the betterment of, of society, which is kind of what we're doing with the nonprofit. Yep. Yep. You know, Scott, you know, bear in mind, he's a Green Beret, so... He's basically trying to create his own A team here in the United States to change the cu- the culture in America. Yeah, yeah. Which so yeah. desperately needs it. You know, you yeah. talk about a divided group of people. God, tell you what, you're right. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, turn off the news. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. Problem solved. Turn off the news and turn our podcast on. Right. Exactly. That's what you should be listening to right there. And reconnect. Just yeah. get get out there and talk yeah. with people. Yeah. You know, don't yeah. don't don't get into the social yeah. media. Yeah. You know, yeah. just 
Go talk to somebody. See, and I can't help but wonder, you know, obviously these guys are coming back from from service with traumas and everything. I'm of the conviction there are people watching the news too much that are experiencing vicarious trauma. Oh, We weren't meant to handle it. You know, you need to get out. Go for a walk. Just take your mind off things. And I'm sure that that's true both for civilians and for you know, the, the crazy thing is when mm-hmm. you're experiencing bad emotions, yeah. moving motion yeah. will actually get your your state of mind totally off of it. There you go. So just go for a walk around the neighborhood, yeah. you know, just, you know, whether, you, whether you're yeah. into lifting weights or, yeah. or yoga, whatever, meditation, yeah, get, absolutely. get your mind out of the rut that it's in. There you go. That's a tip of the day right there, man. That's I think it. that's a good piece of advice. We flew down a cu- two couples um, over the Veterans Day weekend. Okay. Uh, one's from Iowa, one couple's from Michigan. Cool. And I was connected with both of them, and both of them have had their own traumas. One one started off in the infantry and became a pilot and was a medevac pilot. So okay. he he was flying American soldiers, you know, and not not all of them made it when they were when they got them back to the um to the you know aid station or wherever sure. they, wherever they're going to work on them and just by bringing those guys down here they didn't know each other until we got together and we did uh, we went to the veterans alternative we did a five-day retreat well it's not really a retreat it's a wellness program where they do the memory reconsolidation stuff and they do yoga and meditation and those guys got connected and we we even played a game. There's a board game. I can't remember what it was, but it was absolutely ridiculous. But we were so <laughs> It's connect- risk, man. Military guys no, have to play it, risk, It right? wasn't. <laughs> I, I remember that one of the rules on the game was if somebody that wasn't a player came within 10 feet, I had to bark like a dog at him. What? Yeah. And I'm sitting there barking <laughs> at people. And then, of course, the staff there was like, man, these they've never experienced that yeah, because we yeah. were so connected yeah. before we got there. Yeah, yeah. We basically created our own new tribe. That's awesome. And the three of us, the the three vets, we still, I mean, we, we still do group messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and it's really cool. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what, yeah. you know, they now, even though one's in Iowa, one's in Michigan, and one's in Florida, yeah. we're connected. And we stay That's connected awesome. and That's we, awesome. we communicate. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love when people reach out and, and they make a connection there. It's It's been kind of interesting, even though we're in the infancy stages of of doing the show and uh, some of the social media that accompanies with it. Um, a couple of us were having a conversation last night because we got a message on Instagram from um, uh, the wife of a, uh, a military guy who's in the Navy. She was reaching out and just needed, you know, needed some help and everything. Uh, we uh, first of all, I didn't even know that you could message on Instagram, so that was new for me. So I, you know, I'm logged in one day and I see this like little arrow in the corner of the top right screen, and it had a number next to it. And I'm going, "What does that do?" And so I click it open. There's like eight messages there. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like apologizing every. I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, but this one was just one reaching out, just going, and uh, as a result of listening to the show and going, man, I I feel like you guys understand. You know, some of the stuff that we're, we're going through, we need some help and everything. It was just really cool, yeah. you know, to see that happening. So I love when people are reaching out and we want to use that medium. How do you, uh, how can people connect with you? There's a guy or a gal that are listening to this show right now. Man, they're playing Call of Duty, mind you. Right? Yeah, and playing they're going, Call of Duty, drinking a 12-pack yeah, of beer. <laughs> that's I, you. I was me. Yeah. I was there. How do they get in touch with you then? Get um, the process started. They can contact us at 220 um, through our Facebook page. It's just number 22ZERO. And we're www.22zero.org. Um, they can message us on either one. Send us an email. You need me? I'm here. That's awesome. And what we do is we'll, yeah. we can connect you with the resources. So a final thought. Give me a 30-second soundbite on on uh, what you would say to somebody that's isolated right now. Uh, put down the beer or the Jack Daniels. Hmm. Turn off the video game. 
and go out for a walk, go somewhere, try to communicate, connect with somebody, find a veteran in your community, or just go to your American Legion and just go sit down and talk to one of the old timers. Many of them have been dealing with a PTSD for 50 years. Yeah. Um, and just reach out, connect, and get rid of your junk. Let us, let us help clear your trauma so you can get back to being that person you were meant to be. Highlands County Sheriff's Office the other night had a sergeant who took his own life. Hmm. Um, people don't understand that a lot of the first responders, they deal with traumas much in the same way that military veterans do, but they deal with it day in and day out, and they'll do that for an entire career. This guy has been a police officer for 15 years. Matter of fact, he was used to be employed with the Coral Springs Police Department down here. Wow. So, you know, if you're a law enforcement officer down there, you know, reach out to us. We can still connect you. You don't have to go through work or your EAP. We'll find you a counselor to get rid of your get rid of the junk and then just go back to work and business as usual. I, I don't think it makes you weak for reaching out. I think it's a sign of strength. Absolutely. I really do. Well, that's a good word, man. I appreciate you being on the show. So for those of you out there who are listening, you can subscribe on social media at uh, Heal Your PTSD on Instagram and um, Twitter. And then as always, check back next week. We got another episode that'll be dropping every Monday on Life After PTSD. Thanks for joining us for Life After PTSD. As you listen to this podcast, imagine your new life and all the possibilities when you are free of PTSD because that is what is possible with RTM. You are here, which means you're ready. So connect with us at lifeafterptsd.org or in Canada, lifeafterptsd.ca or follow us at Heal Your PTSD. Life After PTSD listeners, we're glad that you love other stories of healing, but what about you? First Orlando Counseling is the premier trauma therapy center in Central Florida with a full staff of trained clinicians ready to help you clear your trauma without re-traumatization. Childhood abuse, relationship abuse, a traumatic car accident, birth trauma, first responder or military trauma, even phobias. You don't have to live like this. It's time for you to heal. Schedule a consultation today by visiting firstorlandocounseling.com or call 407-514-4470. It's that easy.